We're here at the most impressive Cowbell Brewing with Stephen Rich, a guy I've known for a long time in beer, uh, who is the brewmaster and uh, director of brewing operations at Cowbell. Uh, Steve, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Thanks for coming out and thanks for having me. Of course. Um, it's been a long time coming. I've, uh, I know you and I sat down at Bar Hop probably maybe 18 months ago yeah. and uh, maybe two years ago because it was warm. And you were telling me about everything that was to come with uh, Cowbell. Um, and uh, we've done a nice uh, tour today, and I want to get into that. Um, but first, uh, how about, uh, can you just tell us about yourself? How'd you get into beer? Uh, what's, your, what's your story as a, as a beer guy? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in London, and uh, growing up in London, I really thought I loved beer and was the beer guy amongst all my friends because I drank Kilkenny and Bass instead of um, you know some of the macros. Mm -hmm. um, and then moved to Toronto in 04 uh, for school, studied finance, and early days, like one of those first days living in Toronto, just by happenstance, me and some friends went out to a Cheap Tuesday movie and then we're walking along King Street for uh, a beer, anyone that would serve us a beer. Yeah. And uh, the first place we walked into was the Beer Bistro, early okay. in their infancy. Yeah. And uh, Dana, I remember very clearly, very charming, very uh, educating, handed me three beers that totally changed my life. Uh, a Dogfish 60-Minute IPA, a yep. Schneiderweiss Aventinas, and uh, the saint Ambois Oatmeal Stout. And with those three beers, the spectrum of flavor that I had no idea existed in beer was exposed to me. And that was kind of the rabbit hole moment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started homebrewing and reading about beer and um, went around the Toronto beer scene as much as I could at the time, you know, all 30, 32 breweries that existed back then, yeah. um, enjoying a couple beer bars that existed back then. Uh, and then eventually did graduate finance, did go into finance, um, but actually, Ken Woods was a big inspiration for me, having okay. been in the world of business for a lot of his life, yes. and then recognizing that it wasn't fulfilling him and making him happy. Uh, I think he went from accounting into beer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Corporate accounting, and yeah. then started Black Oak. And so I said, why wait until I'm 40 and have a mortgage and, yeah. and kids and responsibilities? And so I, um, I left finance one day, went and got my smart serve, never used it because I'm crap at serving, <laughs> but um, kind of took that opportunity to jump into beer any way I could, recognizing that if I didn't do something with it, uh, I would always regret it. Yeah. And so, you know, I did the, like I did the Cicerone program, BJCP and Prudhomme, pretty much any beer education I could do to get myself into the industry mm -hmm. without having to go back to school, which right. I couldn't afford to do. And at the time, there was there was no Niagara Brewing program or anything like that. So yeah, there wasn't a lot of formal training locally. I don't know if there was any locally. Yeah, like options were Chicago, California, yeah. Germany, England. It wasn't in the cards. Yeah, uh, and then a lot of amazing brewers uh, gave me the time of day. Guys like Ken, um, you know, guys like Ron at the Granite. Yeah, uh, were some of the first guys that sat me down and said, "Look, this is what beer making is." Um, on a professional scale uh, and so just kind of running through that world uh, started a blog uh, you know earlier you and I talked about right. the early days of bar towel yeah. um, which is so epic oh, yeah. um, 
And so when I started Definition Ale in 08 or 09, um, again, it was it was bar towel and maybe a couple others wasn't, out there. There wasn't much. So that was kind of my just, I needed something to give me a, exactly, yeah. a foot in the door, yeah. um, a reason for a brewer to look twice at yeah. me. And through that, I met Morella Amato, um, one of Canada's great master cicerones. Um, and Morella eventually connected me with the guys over at Spearhead mm -hmm. uh, who were looking for a jack of all trades. And there, I did exactly that. And yeah. made beer and sold beer and delivered beer and worked beer events and cleaned draft lines and got one of the best educations I could have hoped for yeah. into the business. Yeah, because really that experience was similar to what you've gone through now, but on a different type of scale where you had to build it from the ground up. Everything from the business, the beers, the recipes, the whole thing. One um, of the, like I think one of the best things about um, especially in the infancy of anyone's career, working at a small brewery like that, where you do have to wear a lot of hats, yeah. it gives you a real appreciation for how your decisions on the production line affect uh, the work of your coworkers, mm -hmm. it affects the lives of your coworkers. So when we're packaging beer, when we're making trays, when we're putting it through the shrink wrapper, uh, when we're carefully writing on the keg collars instead of just scribbling it, uh, it's because we know our sales guy or girl has to make sense of that. Yeah. Um, so they don't get calls from their account. So, you know, if you kind of have an idea of how it affects everyone in the long run, it allows you to make better decisions from the get-go. Yeah. So it was, it really was an amazing uh, experience at all the small breweries I worked for um, yeah. coming on my way up to Cal Bell. Yeah. Um, so good segue into into that. So when we, uh, when we had a beer uh, a couple years back, you were uh, telling me about what was to come. And now we're here, and I want to get into what is here. But um, first, I want to hear how did you get involved with the Sparling family and what was now to become a very significant operation here? It, uh, when I worked at the Beer Academy, um, I worked indirectly uh, with a man named Dave Clark. Uh, yeah. Dave Clark was running Six Pints. Yep. I know Dave yep. from the old days. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Dave's awesome. Uh, and Dave and I had talked for a long time about what we thought was possible in Ontario um, for a craft brewery. We really believed that Ontario could build a destination brewery. Yeah. And there were great breweries in Ontario at the time, um, but nothing that we really put in the destination category, yeah. not like you see in the US. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was years later, uh, I was out in BC um, doing a Cicerone exam and judging at the uh, Great Canadian Beer Fest. And uh, Dave called me and said, hey, remember all our conversations about a destination brewery? I've met this amazing family, and they want to do something like this, but even more. Hmm. And I said, ha, 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 click, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but obviously, I came and met Dave and the Sparlings at a Tim Hortons in Oakville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and instantly, we connected. Um, you know, Grant and Stephen and I are all... Uh, car, whiskey, beer, dog, cigar-loving yeah. people. Um, we connected on a level of, um, of what we imagined was possible in Ontario um, and what we imagined was possible from a beer experience standpoint. Um, so essentially, Dave guided me into the business. Um, and still, today, uh, Dave's my manager and, and guides me through this amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. Um, 
So, I want to get into Cowbell because yeah. we're here. Um, that's, uh, that's that's sort of why that's why we're talking today, and that's the purpose of our visit. Um, and you know, I really I, I got to say, like, there's you know, talking on the podcast and even seeing a video isn't going to do justice to what this place is um, because you sort of have to see it with your own eyes as I did today. But I, I wonder if you could just take us through a bit about what makes this place special. Not every, not everything because you want to see it, <laughs> yeah. but there's, there's so much to this place that is really unique. Um, I wonder just, you know, f- hearing from you, if you were to describe it to somebody that had no idea what this what this was. Yeah. Um, how would you How would you talk about this? It's a, a super challenging question. <laughs> we, especially in the early days, um, when we were you know trying to focus on you know how do we do things the right way from a business perspective and uh, how do we get our message across, our biggest challenge that we recognized was the elevator pitch. Yeah. How do you concisely tell this to someone in? Even a few minutes or five minutes. I think we spent an hour, an hour and a half walking we did, around, yeah. <laughs> um, and we barely talked about beer. I know. Um, so, generally, where I start uh, anytime I get a question like this is, um, it really does start with uh, the Sparling family and the purpose of this facility and the purpose of this business. Um, the original goal for this place, for this amazing farm was not necessarily a brewery, but was an economic driver for Huron County. Um, Stephen and Grant and Lori and their family for generations have been local supporters and philanthropists for the community, not just Blythe, but the whole Huron County region. And Stephen says it often and says it well that uh, our best export in Huron County are our young people. We grow them, we teach them, and we ship them off and they don't come back. And rural communities all over Ontario are hurting. So economic development was really the key for whatever this business was going to be. And a destination brewery is perfect, right? Uh, All the employment, all the local resources, all the local suppliers, Mm -hmm. from equipment to building supplies to food um, and employment and staff, uh, the economic development is kind of endless. And we have some really cool stats about about what's been happening in the region in the last year. But that's really why this place is special, because it's genuine, it's real. When you come into Cowbell, there are a lot of impressive things to behold. Um, There's the 111 acres of land we're sitting on, there's the 27,000 square foot custom built uh, 18th century style German bank barn farm that we've built, the state of the art 50 hectoliter four vessel brew house that we've customized. There are all the environmental stewardship things that we've done. There's a lot to think about, consider, and talk about. But really, to me, what makes it special is that it is so genuine at this scale. Everything from uh, the wood and the stone and the beams and the ingredients and the beer and the people and the purpose. The purpose is economic development for Huron County. The purpose is doing something amazing for our community, both through beer and through some of our charitable organizations and through some of the community events that we do, we feel the impact all the time. Um, And it allows us to go back, 
do amazing things every single day at work, uh, both at Calbell and out in the greater community, both in Huron County and all across Ontario. Yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I'll say, I mean, I, I, I was impressed with, with you taking me around today. And I'd say I'll add something to your description, and that is the idea of openness. Mm. And um, I got to say, like, what's very impressive about this place, um, you've touched on the real and the genuine nature. But I think the fact that you're sort of metaphorically and physically open, like, what I love about this as a, this as a, even as at its most basic a brewery to visit, is you can show yourself around. Yeah. I think that genuinely shows a hospitality that is incredibly meaningful because we've seen that. People are just wandering around, poking their noses into things, which is great because it means you're sort of welcoming the community and everybody to the farm. And to me, that's such a cool thing that sometimes gets lost in other types of environments, but it feels like a thing that would be, you know, when you go out to the country, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you expect. That hospitality. Yeah, and that's what you get here, which is really cool. So It was one of the things we struggled with originally to conceive, is a building with this much space, and is this kind of grand and large, how do you make it feel welcoming? Yeah. And uh, no matter what you do, the only way you can really make it welcoming is, is with the people. You know, and so we start with an amazing team, um, we teach an amazing culture, uh, and we continue to hire amazing people. And like you said, people come in and are invited to join us in our home. Yeah. Uh, join us at the farm and uh, enjoy the self-guided tour, take a tour with storytellers. But yeah, everything is out here, everything is transparent. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. It's, it's one of the things that yeah. you know I walk into every day and I kind of live and breathe it every day it um, yeah I guess you almost take it for granted sometimes yeah um, I guess the only thing that would that would be a, a, an awesome addition here is is a couple of hotel rooms because uh, you know you could easily get into these beers and then uh, it is might be somewhere that you need to go between so. uh, between a couple IPAs and some of the vintage strong beers that we have available usually uh, and then you know an 11.7% barley wine a, a close bed would be helpful yeah it is a question we get a lot, yeah. um, and as part of our goals of local economic development, hopefully some fantastic local entrepreneur will uh, will build a, a hotel uh, or something nearby. There are some rooms in Blythe, yeah. um, and there are hotels and motels around, as well as like a country resort not far. Nice. Um, so there are lots of opportunities, not just to come to Cowbell, but to visit all the attractions that Huron County has to offer. And Cowbell is an amazing stop for lunch or dinner because, of mm-hmm. course, we've got food and capacity. Yeah. Uh, but we're only 20 minutes from the waterfront. There's a lot you can do right around here. Yeah. So you mentioned those beers. Um, let's talk about that next. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how the beer program got started. Because um, yeah. now there's now there's a lot of things that you're doing. But take me back to the, um, the early days and how you initially defined um, what you were going to uh, bring to market beer-wise. So like I've been in love with beer for a long time. Um, and anytime I'm at a brewery or drinking beers, uh, obviously always thinking about that beer, but also trying to consider what was this brewery trying to do or considering what breweries do I understand their purpose well when it comes to the beer or not understand. 
And one of the things I've always loved is uh, kind of a regimented and um, well forethought out plan for a series of beers. Mm -hmm. I like it when beers generally fit a family or fit a purpose together. Um, certainly not that there's wrong with any with making and brewing whatever kind of beers you feel like at the time, but it's part of my just OCD that I've had my whole life and maybe part of my business background, but I've always imagined predefining families of experiences. So the very first series we launched was the Founders Series, and the concept with the series is six beers that generally cover the spectrum of flavor possible in beer in approachable and drinkable manner. Yeah. So we launched first with Absent Landlord, Our Country Polsch, that represents the golden blonde ale, easy drinking ale experience. Mm -hmm. um, then we launched uh, Doc Brew's Bobcat or West Coast Red Ale. Um, that shows off some of the refreshing, easy drinking poppy sensations in here. And then a Hefeweizen, then an IPA, then a brown ale, and then a stout. And so with these six beers, we generally cover the spectrum. Yeah. Of course, six beers, not gonna cover it all, but... Uh, Hits a lot of the marks. Hits yeah. a lot of the marks um, because one of my goals as a brewer uh, and as a beer professional is to replicate to people that experience I had in 2004 at the Beer Bistro with yeah. three world-class, astounding beers. Um, I want to show beer. I want to show people that beer can be something so much more than they ever thought. Mm -hmm. So we launched with the Founder Series. Um, four of the six, soon to be five of the six, are available in cans, and then. When we opened, we brewed a beer that we never thought we would brew, but we were listening to our fans and our community. Uh, we launched a Pivo Pilsner, our Shindig Huron County Lager. Uh, we never intended to brew a lager, yeah. not that I got anything against lagers, yeah. but it was just never in the plan. But we, we heard our community. They were telling us, we want to support Cowbell, but right. Absent Landlord is too intense for us. And when you stop and thought about it, you know, we did a Kolsch because I thought it would be an approachable and recognizable beer, but also interesting yeah, for beer lovers. Yeah, a bit lovers. more than the basic. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, our community is used to loggers. You've got to start, you've got to start somewhere sometimes yeah. on, the, on the way to richer flavored beers. And so the key with Shindig was we didn't just want to make a generic lager. Yeah. So Shindig, um, you know, I did a lot of research uh, trying to find a historical option, a historical preference um, for something that we could do that would be amazing. And, you know, the short story is when Joseph Grohl in 1842 invented the Pilsner, he made two versions, a strong version and a light version. The strong version is Pilsner as we know it today yeah. because it was stronger so it could be exported. The light 4% less BU, less hoppy version really only stayed in the local markets and was really only brewed for the local communities. Yeah. That's our shindig. Oh, okay. 4.2%, nice. 12 bitter units, 100% floor malted Pilsner malt from Fireman, um, Hallertauvers, Brucker mm. hops, simple, elegant, uh, well made. So it's just, it's just for here? It is available um, now also at the LCBO oh, okay. and at beer stores, oh, okay. but we made it for our right. community. Yeah. Um, we can send it about because uh, We've got extremely high quality control processes yeah. in the back end. It's not like the original days of Pilsner. <laughs> exactly. We know what yeast really is now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, nice. we, uh, we launched Shindig and uh, it's been a huge hit. Um, I believe it's still about 50% of our in-house sales at okay. Cowbell. Um, and it's still growing at the LCBO. 
the other thing that we launched on day one was the Renegade series of beers. Yeah. Renegade is a different beer every single month, originally draft only, now recently also in cans, never before to be seen again. Okay. So the Renegade beers come and go and they're gone. Um, we have done uh, our Paradise Lime Wit uh, once over again uh, due to popular demand. I mean, if it works, yeah. Give the people what they want. Absolutely. Never say never again. Exactly. Right? So the Renegade beers are always something different, usually. <laughs> and uh, the idea with them is that they're either pushing the boundaries of style, ingredients, recipes, process, um, always something interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, like the one that our quality yeah. insurance manager brought up. I and wanted to ask you about this one because we've got the, the next one right here a day before official launch date. To be launched tomorrow, dry hopped cherry bison. So the key with this was uh, we make a half bison. Uh, but we wanted this to be different. So we used a different yeast, a different malt build, different hops, uh, but still generally a 5% 15 BU Hefeweizen. Uh, we dry hopped it with quite a bit of Cascade and Centennial hops. Uh, there's also some Australian Summer in there and a Zaka, so some nice citrusy hops. And then we also added 460 liters of pure sweet cherry puree to it. Mm. So the cherry puree fermented out pretty richly. Uh, we added that in high Krausen, so it would actually go through fermentation. So we still have a dry, refreshing, elegant Hefeweizen, but it's pink, of course, yeah. nice and hazy. As it should be. And, uh, and it's got those light touches of cherry, some nice dry hopping in the back, nothing crazy, uh, but it's refreshing and interesting and in itself, a renegade. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about... Um, I don't know if this would be called your third series, but it, it, it sounded like it, which was your anniversary almanac. We saw a couple bottles earlier today, and you, you, you told me the story while we were standing in the, uh, in the brewery. I, I wonder if you could tell us about that, because I think that's yeah. a really cool story. Almanac is, uh, is something we've been thinking about for a long time, and it is easily our, uh, our longest coming beer. Uh, we started making this beer, you know, quote unquote, well before we put the first shovel in the ground. So um, I'll tell you a bit about the beer and then the backstory will make a lot of sense. Mm. Um, on the very first day we opened, um, we opened the, the long weekend in August 2017. Our very first day we opened only to Blythe residents. Uh, on the second day, we opened to fan, friends and family, and okay. then opened to the public. And so on day one and day two, we brewed 100 hectoliters of our very first anniversary beer, Almanac 2018 Barley Wine. It's an 11.7% barley wine, very classic English, not very hoppy at all, super malty, all those like dark Demerara brown sugar, caramel, molasses, uh, even some dark figgy sensations. Um, brewed that up on day one. It went in the back and fermented for almost a month, and then we cooled it down and transferred it all into the black fermenter right at the front. Mm. So um, when you walk into Cowbell, as you've seen, yeah. uh, when you walk into Cowbell, most people will just walk right by this thing, but anyone that's into beer, a brewer, or I noticed it right away. Yeah, like, yeah. What the heck is this thing? <laughs> yeah. Is this just for show? It's like there's a big black tank here. So for anyone that hasn't been here, we have uh, a 100 hectoliter conical fermenter right in the front that's painted matte black and it has a giant copper cowbell logo on it. And so that anniversary beer got transferred into that tank and then lived there for a year. 
So during our first year, um, that beer matured with us as we did. Yeah. It experienced all of the trials and tribulations, all the successes and excitements, mm -hmm. just as we did. And so in advance of the first anniversary, we took 50 of those 100 hectoliters and packaged them in these beautiful champagne corked bottles to be then released as our first anniversary beer, a beer to genuinely and truthfully represent one year of brewing operation at the farm. Yeah. So not just does the beer in the package, but the liquid too represents honestly one year of anniversary celebrations. Awesome. And then on the same day, we brewed anniversary two's beer. Yeah. <laughs> and so on and so forth. So every year it will be a slightly different beer. This next year's will be an imperial stout. Um, there will always be big strong beers, beers yeah. that can be cellared and matured for the long haul. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about Almanac 2018, the barley wine. Um, we're all really happy with the way it turned out. It's already matured. For and it's, it's out and available now. It's out and available only at the Cowbell right. Farm. Just here. Yep. It's uh, one of those beers that we thought about putting into wider distribution. Um, but it's a special beer. It took us yeah. a lot of work. Um, we're bottling the thing by hand. It's a huge pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, it's one of those things we want. We want people to come to the farm. Well, it's a special treat when you make the trip exactly. here, that you can get some things that are not just the regular, regular on the off-the-shelf stuff. Exactly. You can get Bobcat and Shindig and Bruin at the yeah. LCBO and at some beer stores and grocery and pubs, um, but Almanac's exclusively available to our our fantastic guests that join us here at the farm, yeah. like yourself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah. Once I'm not driving. There you go. There you go. Um, so, on the subject of beer, I I want to just ask you a little bit about some of the unique things that you have at the brewery, because as we went through and you and you showed showed me around, there was an awful lot of really kind of fun innovations, um, unique things that you wouldn't see if you just went on a brewery tour of random brewery x yeah and i wonder if you could just take a minute or two and talk about some of those unique things because i think it makes uh, a visit that much more enriching because you're seeing a brewery that's not your standard brewery and so you know i'll, I'll specifically talk about the brewery because yeah. um, the building has yeah. its own innovations um but uh you know the first thing that you notice generally when you walk into cowbell you go upstairs onto the second floor catwalk and either take yourself around or take a tour, um, any brewer will instantly look at the kettle and say, "What? why is there a column still on your kettle? Um, so all of our tanks have stacks going up through the roof for ventilation, but the kettle itself has this crazy monster of a stack, and it's our rectifier. Um, this is something we talked about from the get-go. Yeah. Um, it was one of the reasons why we chose to work with Newlands, um, both because they're a Canadian manufacturer, uh, a world-class manufacturer of brew houses, but also they had this pretty amazing and innovative technology that matched up with our core goals. And so uh, the rectifier essentially uh, allows us to reduce our water usage in the brewery by about 500 liters per brew. It reduces our steam needs in the brewery by about 66%. And it also cuts our boil time from an hour and a half or more to about half an hour. So wild. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. The water savings, the energy savings, and the time savings is, is really important, um, especially for our brewery, because we are a carbon neutral and closed loop brewery. 
so we're pulling all the water from our own well and uh, turning all the effluent from the entire facility into our own wastewater treatment facility. So mm -hmm. the less water we use, the better off our waste treatment facility is and the better we are for the environment, yeah. of course. Um, environmental stewardship is, is one of our main flagship goals. We recognize early that we're on farmland and the farmers are the true stewards of the land. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to respect the land the same way they do. So the rectifier, the long and the short of it is, um, it's a great new technology that allows you to remove DMS faster than a traditional boil. Yeah. So we remove all of the DMS in 30 minutes at 2% evaporation instead of 60 or 90 minutes at 8% evaporation. So that's the big, like, you know, quote-unquote flagship piece of the brew house. Yeah. But some of my favorite things in the brew house are the little details. Let's hear them. So we did a full wraparound platform instead of just a front manway facing platform. Yeah. We also space the tanks out further than normal. This allows us to get around every single tank safely without risk of burning ourselves. And it allows us to access every inch of the tank so we can clean them. We're a totally transparent brewery. People yeah. that come to Cowbell can see every inch of the production facility. I always tell new hires when during the interview process, you have to be comfortable being in a public brewing operation. Because well, when I said that the place is open, I mean, you're sit, you consider the bar and you're seeing everything and you walk around and you're seeing everything. everything. There's not a lot of privacy in the brewery. There are no malt bags to sleep on when you're tired. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so the, the wraparound platform is amazing. That's not much of an innovation. There's lots of places that do that these days. But um, when we were designing and architecting the platform, I tried to put myself in a brew day as much as I could. Where is my water bottle going, my cup of coffee, my pH meter, mm -hmm. my dip tube, my mash stick. Um, where do I put all that? Where do I take notes? So right next to our HMI, uh, we've got a folding stainless steel table. It's the simplest thing in the world, but damn, now I've got a safe place to take notes that's yeah. not on expensive equipment. Yeah. We've got some perforated stainless steel buckets uh, built onto the railings all the way around the, uh, the brew house platform. Again, as simple as where do I put my coffee? Put your stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Um, pH meter's always in the right spot. The cleaning equipment's always in the right spot, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you move into the back, there's a lot of little things. Uh, we went with the Argolith floor tiling, the special hexagonal floor tiling that is indestructible and antiseptic. Um, it's also high grip and low shear, so water shears off of it really easily, but you can grip it so you're not slipping on yeah. it. Um, we went with uh, the Crohn's Craftmade can line, which more and more breweries are using these days. It's essentially the only way to get world-class canned beer um, in a small brewery. Um, you know, until Crohn's started making the Craftmade, they were making these massive Anheuser-Busch-sized machines that craft breweries just Too big. use. Yeah. So more and more guys are using these these days. Uh, but then one of the exciting things we did on our fermenters is install a dry hop loop. So to get hops into the tank after fermentation for beers like Boxing Bruin and Bobcat, our hoppy dry hop beers, mm -hmm. or at least our regular ones, um, we add the hops through a separate vessel called the hop egg. It essentially just lets us get the hops in without having to climb to the top of the tank, 18 yeah. feet in the air. But then once the hops are in there, we thought a lot about how to increase the aroma and flavor extraction of the hops. 
because you throw the hops in and then you know gravity happens right you sink to the bottom and then you're left with very little actual surface area for aroma extraction mm -hmm. so what we've done is installed uh, a loop that allows us to CIP the system and essentially we will take the beer fermented and at a specific temperature with hops in it and we will take it out of the cone of the tank into a pump and then recirculate it through the tank entirely. So 150 hectoliter batch, we will essentially gently pump the, the beer and hops in a circle back up into uh, the tank at the 130 hec mark, so to avoid splashing. And we designed it so we could CIP that whole loop. And what we've been able to do with that is essentially take our dry hop loads from 275 kilos to 200 kilos on Boxing Brew and our IPA. And so the savings in hops is significant, but yeah, really the huge. improvement in operation of our centrifuge is massive. Trying to get 275 kilos of hops through the centrifuge is a nightmare. Yeah. We were doing like 12-hour runs, split into two shifts. It, it was just rough. Yeah. Now, uh, with 200 kilos in there, and the exact same aromatic profile and flavor profile on Bruin, we're able to turn a centrifuge batch of Bruin in about six hours. Mm. Still a long day yeah. on the centrifuge, but it's way lot more manageable. Yeah. And frankly, I think the quality of the beer is improved. Mm. So that's a pretty awesome one. Um, we're actually gonna install another dry hop loop as we're getting ready to launch uh, Session IPA. Okay. And so essentially the tanks with the dry hop loop are dedicated to dry hopped beers. Yeah. So the dry hop loop's a great one. Uh, one of my favorite ones, which is less of an innovation and just a convenience, frankly, is uh, the parts panel. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard to describe, but it is like a beautiful purpose-built stainless steel pegboard for yeah. all your parts. Yeah. So the gaskets, the tri-clamps, the elbows, the sight glasses, everything has a place on a stainless steel wall. Yeah, no buckets. No buckets. <laughs> um, there are troughs underneath it that fit the full racking arm, so we yeah. can soak things in caustic acid, whatever we need. It's just, it's a very 5S way of organizing our parts. And honestly, every brewery should have one big or small, some fancy version, some basic version. Just yeah, it works. getting the parts into one spot is yeah. so unbelievably helpful. You always know where something is. Yeah. How long do you want me to go on for? <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of cool things that, uh, that we saw as we went through this brewery. It was, uh, it was really cool. One of the really cool things too, that's, that's, it's not an innovation whatsoever, but I do consider us pretty fortunate to have it from the get-go, is a full-service lab. Mm. We have a dedicated yeah. quality assurance manager, um, and we do lab work on every single one of our beers to verify consistency analytically, consistency from a sensory standpoint, uh, as well as the microbiological safety of our beer. Mm -hmm. um, if any brewers will know that the LCBO has been hounding brewers to make sure that their beers are safe and micro micro yeah. microbiologically stable because they've seen can bombs and bottle bombs. Yeah. And not only is that bad for our customers and the LCBO, but for us and our relationship with all of them. Of course, they, they test it and I think they would want to know that if you care about it as much as they do, that that's an important factor. To well, them. If, if our goal is getting delicious beer yeah. out to people in the world, it's not delicious that can just explode it, <laughs> or if that you know refreshing simple you know lager is funky. 
Yeah. The beer's got to be the way it's supposed to be. So yeah. the the lab work is uh, more and more breweries obviously are, are installing yeah. labs, big or small. But it's good to have it right out of the right out of the gates from the get go. Gives us a lot of confidence in what we're doing. Yeah. It allows us to second guess our decisions and then verify that we've made the right decision. Yeah. Because without it, you just you don't know. You're guessing. Um, you mentioned delicious beer. And so I got to ask this question because now that you've been here for a year and you've had a lot of beers come out. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorites, whether it's from your founders or, Reg or uh, Renegade series? Just Steve's personal favorites out of uh, what, you've, uh, what you've done. It's, uh, you know, brewer or not, it's such a hard question because like one of the reasons I fell in love with beer is because of how versatile it is. Yeah. It is the most versatile and varied beverage in the world. Um, whether it be strong or light or bitter or sour or, or um, hot or cold, uh, it can be anything. So, mm. you know, my favorite beer is the one in my hand, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I'm sure there's some that have surprised you in how they've absolutely. turned out for the better. I mean, right now we're drinking Boxing Brew in our West Coast, or our, our India Pale Ale. Um, it is one of my favorite beers that we brew, uh, yeah. and I love it because it's delicious, but it's also not just a standard IPA. Mm. Um, done a couple little things in this beer, mainly uh, using Belgian candy syrup in the brew, um, both to lighten the body, but also to give flavor. So instead of using dextrose, which is the classic West Coast IPA, a little bit of dextrose to lighten the body, but still get the ABV and the hop extraction, yeah. we use golden and clear Belgian candy syrup. And so on a beer that is focused on tropical fruity hops, to me the candy syrup kind of candies up yeah. that pineapple, mango, papaya, hoppy sensation. So I do love brewing. Um, one of my favorite beer styles was always brown ale, and we're mm. about to launch McNall's Mission Our Honey Brown and cans at the LCBO. Oh, nice. And so I really do love going back to McNall's and enjoying a good sweet, savory brown ale. Yeah. Um, Fly Girl, our nitro oatmeal stout. Um, that's one that I can't wait to get into cans. It's my wife's favorite of our beers. Nice. Um, and nitro is such a cool experience for oh, people. Oh yeah, for sure. But earlier you and I shared probably what is still my favorite beer, um, the 2016 Holiday Spice Belgian Dark Strong Ale. Yeah. That was a beer that we brewed for uh, December 2016. Uh, classic Belgian quad, uh, which is one of my favorite styles to enjoy and to brew. Uh, but brewed with cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and allspice. And now aged a couple years, it is, um, the spices are a little bit more soft, but the dark fruit is really starting mm. to show up. And I love, uh, I love aged beer, and I love vintage beer, and I love seeing how it can happen, so. And it's back, it's back for, we always for a limited have, time now. Yeah, we always have at least one vintage beer available at Cowbell. Okay. Um, so any of our strong beers that we believe will mature over time, we always hold back some quantity. And so we will just randomly throw on something different. So right now it could be the Holiday Spice Belgian Strong Ale, um, or then you know the next month it could be our classic Imperial Stout, or it could be Cinnamon Cardamom Triple, or et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. it'll always be something different anytime you're here. Um, same thing goes with Almanac, the barley wine. We're purposefully holding about 20% of the production. That way we can year after year for special events break out a 1.5 liter magnum of aged Almanac uh, for something special. It would be awesome. You know? Yeah. That's going to be pretty sweet. Nice. Um, so uh, I really appreciate your time and um, it's been a great day. I just uh, just want to close with uh, just looking looking ahead yeah. and what's 
What's next for you as a brewer? Um, what's next for you in the brewery? Don't want to ask you to divulge anything. You don't want to, but what's what does the future hold for uh, for you uh, you and Cabo? Um, well, Cass, I really appreciate you being here. It's great to see you. <laughs> you too, Now that right? I don't live in Toronto, it's it's, uh, it's not easy not seeing everyone yeah, so often. Yeah, true, but, right? uh, but it's great to have you here, and it's great to be on the podcast. Yeah. So, we're a year young. This baby just opened. I know, it's an amazing how much. I didn't even, like, when I looked at all the Renegade beers and realized it's only been a year, I was like, damn, there's a lot that's happened for you guys in a short period of time. It's been pretty wild. Um... And so there's a ton going on. Um, we just began landscaping for a 10,000 person capacity outdoor amphitheater in the southeast part of our 111 acres. Okay. Um, we've got a lot of awesome future expansion um, plans mm-hmm. um, that of course will take time um, and take planning. Yep. Uh, and the planning is one of the most exciting and stressful for parts sure. of the job. Um, but you know, what I'm looking forward to most, really, is going from, uh, what we've been focusing on the last year is um, operational competence. Mm-hmm. And now what we're pushing for is operational proficiency. Yeah. So in the last year, um, the whole brewing team, um, from brewers to seller, to packaging, to warehousing, um, and even, sales and inside sales and forecasting and all that we've we've been learning how to work together learning how to work this equipment learning how to function within the overall larger business all 170 employees Um, we've been we've been learning how to become a cohesive family and uh, it's taken time and it's been rewarding and it's been challenging but every day we make amazing strides yeah and so i feel like as a brewing team we're at the point now where we understand our capabilities we understand how to operate the equipment and how to put out delicious beer the next step for us is proficiency how to do it better do it faster do it easier um do it more fun yeah um continue to innovate new beers, uh, continue to work together. We want to begin to do more collaborations with other breweries, some suppliers. Um, There's a lot of cool new products being innovated out there, both in the malt side, uh, the hop side. Uh, Yeast as well is a whole new world, um, Mm -hmm. especially with local yeast suppliers. So really what we're focusing on is, um, is owning our home, and, uh, and really starting to build proficiency. There's a lot going on at Cowbell. It is, it can be distracting to try to think about all of the things that we're trying to get our feet into and all the things we want to accomplish um, in Blythe. So uh, I'm excited to narrow the pathway, really start to focus, and I think the whole team is excited to focus. Yeah. You know, uh, in the lab, uh, Simon, our quality assurance coordinator, uh, has been trying to focus on a hundred things at once. And now, this focus is on fermentation optimization. Yeah. How do we ensure our counts are perfect? How do we ensure fermentation is happening exactly as it should and consistently? Yeah. How are we ensuring our crops are on time and perfect, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. That stuff not only takes time, but it takes bandwidth. Yeah, but it matters. And it's important to an operation like this. It all matters. And frankly, it's been busy. The other thing that we're excited to focus on is um, 
is rewarding and celebrating ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we do a great job overall at Cowbell uh, taking a minute to appreciate uh, where we're working and who we're working with. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes, too, you got to take a day and get out of here. Um, you got to go barbecue. You got to go enjoy some Absolutely. beers. You got to go just have a good time as friends in beer. Yeah. Um, it's something that we have to put more effort into. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it sounds silly. Like you're in the beer business and you're having a great but, time. But any 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 profession, any job, any work, it's still that. And even ones that are fun on the surface have a lot of seriousness to them. And yeah, it's always important that when you work with a team that you like who you're working with and you're enjoying what you're doing and you're enjoying the people that you're doing it with. So. The beauty of like craft beer is that we're all doing it together yeah. and we're all doing it for our friends, right? Like we're making beer that our friends are going to go enjoy. Um, we want to have fun doing it. Yeah. And we also want to make sure that it's the damn best beer we can possibly make. So we've been busting our butts, which has been great uh, and it's been exciting. And now we're going to focus, get better, be a little less stressed, yeah. have some more fun doing it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Nice. Pretty jacked up for it. Nice. Good. Well, on that note, Steve, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat and show me around today. Um, awesome beers. Uh, great to see you again. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this again soon. Here, here. Cheers. Cheers.